This conversation originally aired on Koinonia, which can be heard Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360 in Phoenix or online at faithtalk1360.com. Hello and welcome to Koinonia. I am Presley Reader and I have the privilege today of guest hosting for our good friend Tom Brown. I get to also host a show called Aging in Arizona Weekly. And uh, as I said, it's my privilege though to be here today hosting Koinonia. Really the first time I've gotten to do this and excited about being here with you folks out there and also I have the privilege of being joined by a couple of good friends and colleagues of mine. As I said, I host a show called Aging in Arizona, and we talk a lot on that show about some of the joys and the challenges of getting older here in Arizona, and uh, we're all getting older, and so there's something there for all of us to talk about. But today, I've invited a couple of other folks who work with that population, the elderly population, and, and I wanted to talk about how faith is interacting with that population because I think it's something that we don't talk about a lot. Uh, It's something that I get a chance to talk about, but I think you'll be really interested and uh, and blessed by hearing from these two ladies that I have with me here in the studio. And the first one is Brenda Staples. She is a parish nurse at Grace Bible Church in Sun City. She's going to tell us more about Grace Bible and where it's located and what the amazing ministry that they do there. But uh, before we get into that, I want to also talk or introduce my good friend Suzanne Stillian. She is also here with us, and she has not only worked with a lot of the elderly uh, folks out there, but she has a personal story that she wants to share and is willing to share with us that uh, will, I think, also inform and educate folks about some of the challenges that come with the aging process. And we're going to have some stories to share today. We're going to have some examples of God at work, in uh, specifically in the elderly population. And I am just so excited and glad to have both of these ladies with me. So ladies, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Let's start with you, Brenda. Uh, tell us what a parish nurse does at Grace Bible Church in Sun City? Wow, that's a loaded question, (laughs) Presley. Thank you for having me today. Parish nurses have many, many roles and wear many, many hats. And I can only tell you what I do because the role varies from population to population. But I can give you a quick rundown of many of the things that I do. I make home visits. I make hospital visits. I make hospice visits. I make rehab visits. I go wherever my people are. It doesn't matter if they're in Scottsdale at Mayo Hospital or if they're down in uh, downtown Phoenix at Good Sam's or St. Joe's, wherever they might be. They're part of the body of Christ, so they're important. I go to group homes. I do counseling. I work as a social worker. If I see cognitive changes and I need to contact the family or the family contacts me and says, what do I do? Where do I go? Who do I call? I can make referrals for them or help put them in touch with um, different people that can help them find a, a proper place that's safe for them to go or maybe bring people in, such as your home care agency. 
I can uh, act as a spiritual advisor. Every time I make a contact with someone, I usually pray with them because that brings some comfort. I can um, be an encourager, and oftentimes I'm just a listener. That's all they need is somebody to hear what they have to say. I often offer grief support before and after loss. I'm an advocate for them. Many times they're alone. They don't have any family here. Their family might be across the country, even across the world, and they just need somebody to advocate for them because we know in today's medical practice there's not going to be somebody that's going to always explain to them what their options are. I maintain files and files of information so that I can give them uh, materials that help them find services in the local area and utilize those local resources. I'm a network partner with the... um, All right. There's a lot of things there, and I'm sorry I'm going to have to jump in. I want to hear more about that. We're going to talk all about how that ministry rolls out when we come back. You're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Welcome back to Koinonia. I am Presley Reader. I am guest hosting today for our friend Tom Brown and really privileged to be here also with a couple of great guests. Brenda Staples is a parish nurse at Grace Bible Church in Sun City. And then my good friend Suzanne Stillian is also joining us today. And when we jumped into the show earlier, we were talking with Brenda about what a parish nurse does. I think a lot of folks out there maybe don't have a parish nurse in their home church. And uh, yet uh, Brenda serves with a number of other parish nurses throughout the valley at uh, different congregations. And uh, tell us a little bit, Brenda, you you told us what a a parish nurse does. A listener, you're going out and doing visits, you're providing references, referrals, resources for individuals and their families. And uh, so at Grace Bible, how many people are attending Grace Bible on a regular basis? Well, in the wintertime, we have around 1,100 people. In the summer, that drops down to around 650. Wow. So that's a that's an interesting uh, place to minister because half almost of your members leave during the summer season. That's right. And uh, that, how does that affect you or affect the rest of the staff and the members there? It still is just as busy in the summertime because that's when more people have surgery in the summertime because the doctors are really, really looking for work to do. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, and it, it seems that the, no matter how um, many or how many few people we have, I'm still very, very busy. Yeah. I want to talk, Brenda, a little bit about how people's faith evolves. The average age at Grace Bible Church is... Is over 80. Over 80. So just to give our listeners an idea of the population that you're serving there, it's mostly over 80. Um, What kinds of challenges, I think there are regular challenges that people think of when you get older, the physical challenges that come with aging. But from a faith standpoint, Mm -hmm. what are some of the challenges? And I want to talk about what are some of the the joys that you see in in a population like that? Well, I think aging faces people to face their mortality. And no matter how strong their faith has been, they begin to sometimes doubt their faith when they see that their health is failing, their body is failing them. They begin to feel threatened. Their identity is threatened when their bodies begin to fail. They can no longer do the things that they used to do. 
families are fractured and that threatens them as well. They begin to experience depression. They begin to feel isolated when they lose their spouses and can no longer get out around like they used to. So they start to deal with a lot of different variables in their lives that they didn't have to deal with in the past. The church becomes their support network in many, many ways and becomes their family and becomes their safety net in many ways. I think that that is a, a great illustration of, of what does happen. And I see that a lot. As I said, I, I host Aging in Arizona, a show, a weekly show about some of these topics. And I hear those things a lot. So that resonates with me. Uh, people who are, are doubting not only their faith, their purpose. What do I have to still contribute? And quite frankly, I think we as a community often um, perpetuate that by communicating to the elderly that they don't have value anymore because they're not beautiful or they're not productive mm -hmm. in our sense of the word, right? When we're talking about things here on earth and we're thinking about the things here on earth, we're thinking, well, you're not a productive member of society anymore. You're not as valuable. So untrue in God's kingdom, but um, something that people face. And I appreciate the way you talked about it. I want to Kind of use that and, and go over here to my really good friend, Suzanne Stillian, who has such a sweetheart for the Lord. And I've known Suzanne for a number of years. And Suzanne's gone through something incredibly difficult in the last two years. In fact, we recently, uh, recently was the two-year anniversary of her husband's uh, unexpected death. Rick was a wonderful man. He's an honored in Glendale, was involved in the community, and unexpectedly passed away. I'm going to let Suzanne tell her story because Suzanne, while you're not in that 80 plus uh, population at Grace Bible, and I know you wanted me to mention that. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are certainly, along with the rest of us, aging. And in addition, you've experienced a real traumatic event and you're such a wonderful communicator and somebody who's passionate about the Lord and willing to talk about it. So thank you for, for coming on and sharing your story. You're welcome. I have dealt for years with the senior population, and specifically now dementia and Alzheimer's victims and their families. And so I unfortunately find myself surrounded by death and fear and all those types of things all the time because of what I do. I never thought that I would find myself in the position of being the one who is dealing with the death of a spouse and the fear and the anxiety that comes with that. Um, Rick was a terrific guy, and he he was a farm boy. I married a farmer, so he was up at four every morning, whether I liked it or not. Um, one of the things that he did for 37 years of his life was to work with youth sports, and so he was a football referee, both with high school, all types of uh, youth teams. And on one particular Saturday, it was a, a normal Saturday. He was going out to volunteer his time, as he did every year, for the Special Olympics flag football. Of all the things he did, that was his favorite. He got the most joy from that. So I went my direction. He went his direction. He called me about th maybe 2.45 or so in the afternoon, and he said, Hey, babe, we ran a little bit late, but I'm leaving now. I'm going to get a cold drink and some gas. I'll be home in a few minutes. Um, the next phone call I had was that he had collapsed. They were doing CPR and there was no pulse. And so as we rushed to the hospital, 
we were having calls coming from referees and family and police and all of that. We got to the hospital, and long story short, they were not able to revive him. And I found myself having to face things that I kept counseling other people about, yet here I was in my 50s, a widow, in just a split second. And so when you're in that emergency room, you really do kind of go into an autopilot. You have to. My children were there. I had to protect them. My grandchildren were going to be involved. I had to protect them. I had to make the decision and tell the doctors to take him off the equipment twice. I had to tell them, let him go. So you go through all of that, and you are on automatic pilot, and you go into an automatic fog as well. They call it widow's fog. And by the way, I hate the word widow. It connotates so many dark and unnecessary things. But this is where I had to learn that this is where the faith kicks in. Um, you're not sitting there saying, okay, God, get me through this, because that's not in your mind at the moment. You're so overwhelmed with everything. But what you find is that the faith that you have built through the years is what sustains you through whatever you're dealing with at that time. So that foundation and that rock that you have had and that you've had interaction with for all this time comes into play. And you realize suddenly that you know, I, I'm, I don't like to term myself a religious person. I am not a religious person. I'm a person of faith. And I'm a person who values relationship with God over religious tag. Yes, I have a church I attend. Yes, I love that. But first and foremost is my one-on-one individual connection with God and with Jesus Christ. That's what gets you through is when you've got that foundation. So it's not like, um, it, it's not like you're standing there alone. You do feel a presence, but sometimes you have to really look for it because there's so much else going on. You have to bring yourself to that center point and know that God is there. And that's where the voice, the the verse kept going through my head, be still and know that I am God. That's what sustains you through something like this. And there's nothing fun about it. Um, There's nothing enlightening about it. You just go on, like I said, automatic pilot. But you may be on automatic pilot, but God is guiding that. And for three weeks prior to Rick's death, um, looking back, I can see things that took place that were preparing me for him to be gone. And I couldn't see that until recently that those steps had been put in place. So God was all over this. Um, He didn't ask me my opinion, and he didn't ask me what I wanted to do. He simply laid it out. This is what you've got. Let's deal with this. And so I've had to learn to rely on that strength. I don't like to put my faith in people's faces. I would prefer to live it than to spew it. Um, And that's what I want people to do for me. I don't want to hear the religious platitudes. I want to see the action. I want their faith to become a verb toward me, and I want my faith to become a verb toward them so that we can do something that's jointly compatible and, and jointly God-honoring. Mm. Thank you for sharing that, Suzanne. And I know, again, such a a difficult journey when none of us can even imagine. And I know a lot of times, you, you and I have talked about this, not even having the words. Folks that are interacting with you don't have the words to share. And I can even feel that now as a radio host to talking to you. How, what words can I offer that are going to bring you that peace mm-hmm. uh, that I so h- hope for you to have, but uh, I get overwhelmed by that mm-hmm. responsibility and don't know what to say. And, and I, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about how do we interact with someone who's gone through that, uh, through a journey like that. And Brenda, I know you, obviously, your 
walking with people through this journey often. Um, do you have anything, just we're going to have to take another break here, but anything come to mind for you when Suzanne shares the story? Well, my heart breaks for her, and I think sometimes the simplest thing to say to people is, I can't feel exactly what you're feeling, but my heart really is burdened for you, and I pray for you. We do offer grief share uh, classes for on a continuous basis, and we're starting to offer them in the evenings now as well as in the daytime for people. And they're not just for our own people. They're for anyone in the community that wishes to come as well. Mm. Well, we like I said, we're going to have to go to a quick break. Those grief share classes are so important. The grieving process is so important, and there is a process to this. I know you can both speak into it. A couple of other things I want to hear from Suzanne about Suzanne, how did your faith change? If we looked at Suzanne before Rick died and we look at Suzanne's relationship with God after Rick died, how is that different on an individual level? And then the community. Brenda said that the church steps in and becomes a safety net. I want to hear your perspective. What was your experience with that? What do we want the church to be in these situations? So we'll talk about that when we come back. Again, I'm Presley Reader. I am guest hosting for Tom Brown here on Koinonia, and we will return shortly on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Welcome back to Koinonia. Thanks for tuning in today. I am your host, Presley Reader, and I am guest hosting for our good friend Tom Brown. It's my privilege to be here with you today, and it's also an honor to be joined by Brenda Staples. She's a parish nurse at Grace Bible Church in Sun City, and my dear friend Suzanne Stillian, who shared in her in the last segment her story, which in, uh, involves in the last two years, specifically two years ago, March, her husband Rick passing away unexpectedly as he was doing something he loved, which was refereeing youth sports. In particular, he was uh, volunteering that day with Special Olympics. Rick was a wonderful man. Suzanne is a wonderful woman, and this journey that she shared with us is is difficult, but I think also Suzanne is going to share that there have been some wonderful moments, at least, in it, and that uh, God has been there walking with her all along, as we know he does. Even in the last segment, Suzanne, it struck me, I, I've always enjoyed a song from years past uh, by a group called Cademan's Call, and it was called Lead of Love, and it talked about how there was this, if you look back over your life, you could see this lead of love where God was leading you along when you're in the midst of something difficult or even something joyful. It's hard to see that lead of love. But you said, you know, when I look back on Rick's death two years ago, I can even see things during the three weeks before his death where God was preparing me for that to happen. And so that is so powerful, I'm sure, for you to be able to um, see that lead of love happening. And I, I want to hear more about your story and how that has continued. But I want to go back to uh, Brenda now. Brenda, again, parish nurse at Grace Bible Church. So your 
walking with people at the congregation through a difficult situation like what Suzanne experienced. And you said grief is an important part of this process. There's a process to grief, and you have some grief groups, some grief share groups that people can come together and process it together. Tell us a little bit more about what you see happening in those groups. I see people coming together uh, during this 13-week program, and they find others who share the same experiences that they have. They make friends in this group. They find out they're not alone in this process, that they're not uh, the only ones that experience these same feelings of anger and guilt and shame or whatever it is that they're going through. They find support in this. They're learning a lot about themselves in the whole process. They're learning that it's okay to have these feelings, and they're learning that, um, hey, it's all right. Um, I can have this as long as I want, and it's I don't have to do this within a certain time frame. Nobody can tell me I have to do this and get over it within a certain period of time. So there's a value to the group grief process, it sounds like, but there's also a very individual journey that everyone is on, and those can kind of crisscross in good and bad ways, I imagine, which I want to hear Suzanne elaborate on. Um, Suzanne, talk a little bit about, uh, we, we want to start with individual, or do you want to start with your experience with the, the, the group? Because I'm interested in knowing, per, I'm really interested in knowing what was Suzanne Stillian's relationship with God like before Rick passed away, and what was what is Suzanne Stillian's relationship with God like now? And was that how much did this this part of your journey affect that relationship? Let's start there. I think I have found that it's so easy to become stagnant in your relationship with God because life is pretty much on an even keel, and people tend to rush to Him when there's a problem, but they forget when things are good. You still need to be rushing to Him. You need to be praising, you need to be thanking, you need to be seeking guidance. But it's real easy to get caught up in just being complacent. So prior to losing Rick, um, you know, we were involved in church, and we had raised our children in church, and um, we were just going along with life. And Rick was a very godly man. Every day started with prayer. Um, Every trip he took around the state, he used that time, you know, to talk with God. Um, very godly example for the family. But I found myself leaning on his godliness. I was leaning on, on his faith. I had mine, but I was leaning on his as well. All of a sudden, he's out of the picture, and it's just Suzanne, and I have to figure out where I stand. So through that process, um, I realized that my faith is also my hiding place. And there's a great song by, uh, I believe it's Selah, that's my hiding place. It's It's a beautiful song, and I hang on to that because... When it's rough, and it does get rough, you know, what time is it? You know, every hour, you have to have that place that you can go to recharge or to hide or just to be nurtured. Um, One of the things that I have found also is that God has created us with emotions for a purpose, and they are to be exercised as any other part of the body. Otherwise, you lose their usefulness. So through this, at first, you're trying to be strong and stoic because you think you have to be. And I learned I don't have to be strong. My strength is not found within me. It's found within God. And he surrounds you with people and friends who can feed into that strength. But you also find surfacing those people that you thought were your friends 
but because they are temporarily uncomfortable with what do I say to you, what do I do, they back away, and you find yourself standing even more alone sometimes. So for every friend that I had to remove from my life, he brought in others that were even stronger. So you kind of prune, just like a a tree or a vine, you prune. And that applies to family as well, because you can have family members who all of a sudden you're not considered part of the family anymore because part of the structure in your family is gone. That's okay because God has restored other family relationships and made them stronger. So for whatever he takes away or whatever, I have to physically cut from my life because it's just not good for either side. He replaces it with something better. I've had to learn that. Um, I've had to learn that you, when it comes down to, to your faith, uh, the day you stand before God, you're not going to have a bunch of people standing next to you going, yeah, she did this and she did that. It's you and God and that's it. So I have had to rediscover that I am solely in God's hands. And I'm not responsible for what others do. I'm responsible for myself. So as much as I I am thrilled that I was married to someone with such a faith, the lesson has been very valuable that I have to stand on my own and not lean into somebody else's. Um, It's it's strange. You said that a song comes to you on occasion. It's it's really strange being raised in the church, the scriptures and the the old hymns that start to pop into your head. at the oddest hours, at the oddest moments. You wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and the house is way too silent. And it's just you and the dog, you know, and you have to come up with some way to ease that that loneliness or find a way to occupy your mind. And a lot of times it's a hymn or it's a scripture, just out of the blue. And um, one of the scriptures that I've been hanging on to is Jeremiah 29, 11. And it just says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and not harm you, plans of hope and a future. I'm hanging on to that one. Mm. So as I go through this this business of grieving, which is ugly and painful, it is physically painful as well as, as emotionally painful. As I go through that, I'm having to realize that my, my source to fill those cracks that are opened up, gaping cracks for guilt or loneliness or or feeling offended because somebody has just avoided you, that has to be filled through my faith. And so that's where I go. That's so good. And and thank you for sharing that. And it the word that just keeps coming into my mind as you're talking is loss, loss, loss. There are just, there's the loss of Rick, which is so profound as your husband. There's also this loss, as you said, of relationships with family members and others who you use the term were pruned through this process and in a in not in a necessarily a bad way some of them maybe needed to move on and god wanted to replace them or just move them on out of your life for this next stage in your journey but there's so much loss and i think this brenda back to you as a parish nurse seeing seeing many people who are going through difficult times like suzanne has gone through there's this loss, especially for the elderly. You know, they get to 80 years old, they've seen loved ones pass away, whether it's a spouse or otherwise. They've lost friends. They've had to move to a new place. How do you as the church, how do we as the church engage with that kind of loss on a regular basis and still, still share with them that God has plans to prosper them and give them a hope and a future and not harm them when all they may be feeling and experiencing is harm and loss. 
That's a really tough question to answer. I can only tell you how we at Grace Bible Church try to do that. We try to include them in as many things as we can and show them that they still have a great deal of value. We try to um, encourage them by um, getting them involved in what we call our flocks, which are just different groups of different interests, whether it's a singles group or just in a a larger group of couples and and various um, interests that they might be involved in. We have groups such as um, women who knit for others. They make lapgans and shawls for those who have had surgery or have been ill, and we deliver those. We have deaconesses that go out and visit all the homebound women and take them um, communion when they need that. We have men who visit the homebound men and take communion to them so that they know that they're not alone anymore. They're loved. They're still part of the body of Christ, even though they can't physically come into the sanctuary. And then we have um, hospital visitors that go and visit everybody that's in the hospital. There's some a team that goes out every day of the week except Sunday. Then we have Bible studies that we try to get people to be involved in so that they're still part of a group somewhere. There's men's Bible study on Saturday. There's Bible study on Tuesday. There's Bible study on Wednesday. There's community Bible study. There's a women's Bible study on Thursday afternoons. Then we have women's coffee fellowship and men's coffee fellowship. So there's something that everybody can be a part of and a group to belong to. So that, And we try to engage them in something in some way. And if there's somebody that's not there, we notice that and we contact them. I try to. They let me know that they're not there, and I try to contact them and say, is there something going on that I should be aware of that I can help you with? So a lot of outreach, a lot of trying to avoid isolation, it sounds like. Exactly. Keep people engaged is what you're trying to do at Grace Bible Church. So when we come back from this break, I want to talk about Suzanne's experience. Did the church fill this void for you? How did it fill this void? How did it not fill this void? Did Were some of these things that Grace Bible's offering valuable? Let's talk about what the church's role is in all this. When we return, we're, you're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Koinonia. I am Presley Reeder, sitting in today for Tom Brown and really enjoying this conversation. Although I will say there are some difficult aspects of it. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking today with Brenda Staples. She's a parish nurse at Grace Bible Church in Sun City and a dear friend of mine, Suzanne Stillian, who has worked with the elderly population as a professional for many years and also two years ago lost her husband unexpectedly. He passed away from a massive heart attack uh, doing what he loved, which was refereeing youth sports, and he'd done that for 37 years and was a staple in the Glendale community and is much missed, of course, by Suzanne and her family and also just by the community as a whole because just such a wonderful man who left a wonderful legacy and has been honored in many ways, rightfully so. And uh, she's been sharing her journey with us and just hearing about how the church, Brenda's Church, Grace Bible Church, interacts with people who have gone through something like what Suzanne was experienced is has been is interesting to me because Brenda, you were saying that there are you send out DVDs to folks who are homebound and can't come to the service. You're live streaming events for people. Your population is eighty and over, and so a lot of folks with 
trouble getting around. They have to use walkers or maybe just can't get transportation. And so you send these resources to them. And I think that that's wonderful. It's a great outreach because one of the things that we're trying to avoid is the isolation that can come with loss and so much loss, not only of your physical abilities, sometimes your mental capabilities as you age, obviously the loss of uh, friends and family as you age. And so I know Grace Bible Church is reaching out in many ways to minister to folks who are experiencing that kind of loss. I want Suzanne to talk about how the church ministered or didn't minister to her after she after Rick passed away. One of the things I found interesting was that, as expected, they rallied when Rick died um, as far as the pastoral staff and helping us put the service together and the use of the community, the, the buildings and that type of thing. That was all really well. But when you become just one person, and you used to be part of two, you find two things happen. Number one, um, people forget your identity as an individual. You're no, I'm not Suzanne, I'm Rick's widow. I'm not Suzanne, I'm the new one who's alone. No, I'm Suzanne, and people lose that, and so I have to find my way through and find a place to fit in as that one, that one person, if that makes any sense. Well, it makes sense, I I, I think, but if you could talk a little bit more about maybe an example of what that is. You said earlier you don't get invited maybe to things like you used to because of whatever reason. Um, a couple of things I'll give you. One from, from the church, and I, I have a great church. I, I really enjoy it. But I think that the church as a whole could really improve their aftercare for people who have lost someone. And when you say the church as a whole, I'm going to go ahead and raise that to the big Big church, all the church. Yes, globally is globally. what you're referring. Okay. When you're in a church in in Sun City, such as as the church that we're talking about this morning, they're expecting this. You know, they expect it at this age group that you're going to have a lot of loss and that type of thing. But you don't look at losing somebody in your fifties as I did, and so I don't think the church as a whole is prepared for that. I didn't have young children who needed, you know, I needed support in trying to take care of them. I'm pretty much on my own, and I just don't seem to fit. So I went into a Bible study one time. It was a women's Bible study, and I thought, this will be good. I can meet some new friends. I was introduced as the new widow instead of as Suzanne. That that was hard. I thought, well, I'm going to go and try and get into a, a home group. Uh, we have home Bible study groups and that type of thing. So I went to the meeting, and I'm looking around, and they have signs on all the different tables. This is for the young professionals, and this is for the families, and blah, blah, blah. And this woman walked up, and she says, what is it that you're looking for? I said, I just lost my spouse. I'm a little bit torn as to where I'm supposed to be. And she says, oh, well, there's the widow's table. Go over there. Well, they were all people the age that I take care of. That was not anything for me, and that's not to fault them. And, you know, bless their hearts for for hanging together, but that's the last thing I needed. I needed people that I could talk to about something other than Rick's death. I needed people that I could just pass the time with, that I could go to dinner with, that, that we could just say hi in the parking lot. I didn't need to have this label of widow. I didn't need to have people walk up and with this sad, droopy face and puppy dog eyes, oh, how are you doing today? It must be so hard. I don't need to be reminded of how hard it is. I need people to come up and encourage, hey, you're looking good today. I'm so glad you're here. Can we get together? What can we do? That's what you need. And the churches don't always 
handle that as well as I think they could. And I know I just stepped on a whole bunch of toes, but it, it's okay. Toes can be regrown, I guess. It's just one of those things where you become a lost individual because you're no longer part of that couple. You were identified as Rick and Susie. Rick's not there. It's just Susie. And people don't know what to do with that. So it's very difficult to try and find that spot and that slot to fit in. So as well-meaning as they are, and bless their hearts, they want to do anything they can to help. We are not educated in how to deal with this. We are not taught how to deal with this. We have no training in how to deal with death. If I could just say something real quickly, and then I want to go over to Brenda. Um, that is really well spoken, I think, and I appreciate your honesty and transparency about it, your willingness to step on some toes. Uh, I'm going to step on them myself, and I think I see this intergenerationally. Uh, you know, my children don't have to deal with loss as much. Uh, they just, I, I watch them, and I want to get them around some of the folks in your congregation, Brenda, who are dealing with loss. And we as a society just kind of want to push loss to the side. And I think the church has embraced a little bit of that, that the church as a whole and not every church, but it kind of wants to just say, ooh, let's, that loss is tough to deal with. How do we deal with it? And maybe don't want to, but just like you said, Suzanne, just not educated about it, don't know how. And so when I look um, at the generation that's, that's elderly, the 80 plus. And I look at the group of folks like you who are serving that population, and I think there's so much wisdom there. There's so much that they can share with mm -hmm. Suzanne's generation, you know, and with my generation. I mean, there's multiple generations here who can be blessed by the elderly folks and by the churches like Grace Bible who are dealing with this on a regular basis. How do you see that happening? Well, I think Benavia does a good thing there in Surprise. They have the daycare, and then they have the adult respite or daycare, and they bring those two groups together during the daytime when they let the older adults read to the younger children, mm -hmm. and they have them in a physical closeness there where they can rock the little ones and read to them. When my children were young and I was the uh, director of nursing at a life care retirement facility, I would take my children to work. And I would let them mingle in with the older adults there, and they had no fear of the seniors. And I would love to see that happen regularly. I would love to see parents take their children and volunteer with them in adult daycare situations or in nursing homes or group homes. Let the children become familiar with older people and glean from them the wisdom that these older people have. Learn that these older people have had productive lives. Learn that they were inventors and authors and professors and doctors and engineers. And what a wonderful opportunity for them to learn about what life was all about in olden days, as children call it. Absolutely. Suzanne, you were going to say something? I was just going to say, we have to be careful to realize that, that people within the church truly do mean well. Their hearts are in the right place, that type of thing. But I think that when we become uncomfortable, no matter what the topic, it doesn't have to be death, any topic that we're uncomfortable with. Rather than learn, we avoid it. And rather than dig in and try and figure out the best way to be of any assistance, we walk away because it's uncomfortable for us at that moment. And I think we have to, I've said this to you before, we have to remove ourselves as the number one 
person to be concerned about. And whoever it is that's hurting, they need to be number one, and we need to be serving them. It's a ministry, and to minister is to serve, and we need to find ways to do that. Their hearts are good, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody else. I agree. I'm glad you mentioned that. Their hearts are in the right place. How do we train folks, Brenda? How do we train other churches and people in those churches to deal with what you deal with on a regular basis out in Sun City, this sense of loss, this awkwardness or uncomfortability with loss. How do we pass that role on to the next generation of churches? That's a very good question, and I wish I had a very good, solid answer for that question. I think the parish nurses are very aware of that need, We try to present seminars and educate our people. If we could just get the people to come to our seminars, that would be (laughs) the answer. Well, people have to have a desire to be educated. That's right. right. We talk about that on my show that I host regularly, Aging in Arizona. We talk about how you've got to educate yourself and proactively do that before the crisis hits. But so many people don't come. Yeah. That's hard. If they're not showing an interest on their own, then how are you going to be able? But you, you have things to pass on, right? You, you have gleaned as a church, not just you individually, but as a church, have learned how to minister people to people who are going through loss. And I think there's a real value in figuring out how do we do that? Because when I visit a church in Sun City, and I visit a church in Central Phoenix. I'm getting completely different experiences other than major on the majors and the gospel and the good news of Christ. There's that in both. But as far as the, the day-to-day practical ministry to the members of the congregation, there does seem to be a gap that Suzanne was talking about where the uh, congregation that maybe hasn't dealt with as much loss, hasn't had to minister to people in that season isn't really prepared for that when it when it hits, whereas a church out in Sun City that has is is maybe more prepared. And we need to, I think, we need to bring those two things together somehow. So We do everything in the love of Christ, constantly showing them that we love them in every opportunity that we have. Well, that's the bottom line, isn't it? Doing everything in the love of Christ. We're going to have to go to a quick break here. We're going to come back and wrap up When we return, you're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Hi, Presley Reader back with you on Koinonia today, filling in for Tom Brown and joined by Brenda Staples, a parish nurse at Grace Bible Church in Sun City, and Suzanne Stillian, my dear, dear friend who has shared her personal story. And it has been a real privilege. We're going to wrap up the show now, but what a joy to be with both of you. Your hearts for the Lord uh, are impressive and impactful, and I am grateful to know both of you and that you took the time to be with us. I wanted to just have you wrap up with a couple of points, and, and I'll start with you, Brenda. Well, I think what we need to remember is that so many of our elderly feel so little value in themselves and feel so down on themselves that we have to continually remind them that they have incredible value in Christ. 
so much so that he stretched out his arms and died for them. And we have to continually remind them that we find them to be valuable too and love them with the same love that Christ loves us. Fantastic. Great message. Suzanne? I think one of the ways that we can change the way we approach people who are going through grief is to realize that this does go generation to generation. My parents handled it one way. I saw that. My children are watching me to see how I handle it. Their children will watch them. So this is my opportunity to make a change even just in my own little world as to how we handle grief, to be an example to my children and my friends for future losses. And if we can handle it at an individual level, then maybe we can handle it at an organizational level as a church, better minister to people who are going through this, the loss that comes with life, the loss that comes with aging. We have got to be ministers to that, and I love that, passing it on to the next generation. We can't miss out. It's such a wonderful opportunity when people get that blessing. So thank you both for offering that blessing to our listeners today, that blessing that they do have value in Christ. You have value in Christ no matter what stage you're in, no matter what you've gone through. And as Suzanne said earlier, Jeremiah 29, 11, God has a plan. He has, there is a hope for you. He does not want to harm you. He wants to prosper you. I pray that you'll be prospered out there, and I pray that you'll join us again next time for Koinonia here on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. For questions or comments, please email tom at faithtalk1360.com. That's tom at faithtalk1360.com.